become aware of how you explain yourself. And if you're in the gap or in the gain and, and if you, and you can shift it, you can shift the memories, obviously, because memories change just every time you even project them. And obviously if, if there's a traumatic experience and if you're scared to think about it, just by exposing it to yourself and then coding it from a gratitude perspective, thinking, how could I be grateful for this? But then telling your past when you, when, when people are talking to you, you could tell your hard experiences, but talk, tell them from a gratitude perspective, it changes the whole meaning and the whole context of your story. And then it changes your past. And, and I think it, it changes who you are and how you see yourself and how the future. So I just think it's good to know that the past is a story. It's a perspective and that your memories are also flexible and that your past can and should be happy. It should be happy. It should be something that's happening for you, not something that happened to you. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George Inbenta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. In today's episode, we have an amazing guest. I've been reading his work for quite a while. He's an organizational psychologist and best-selling author of Willpower Doesn't Work. His blogs have been read by over 100 million people and are featured on Forbes, Fortune, CNBC, big thing, and many others. He's a regular contributor to Inc. and Psychology Today, and from 2015 to 2018, he was the first writer in the world on Medium.com. And what led me to to get him on this podcast and to uh, have this amazing opportunity was an article that that he wrote on gratitude. It's called Gratitude, How to Change Negative Beliefs, Be Happy, and Become Successful. And um, it was an amazing article, so well written, like all of his articles, but it really struck home and it really made me, made me think. So today's guest is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Welcome, Ben. Thank you so much. Excited to talk about gratitude and uh, anything else you want to talk about. It's going to be fun. Such an important subject. Definitely, definitely. And I'm really happy that you accepted my invitation. And I'm looking forward to talking about gratitude, but also your your new book, Personality Isn't Permanent. And I, I think it's going to be a really, really interesting conversation. So what I firstly wanted to to ask you is, how do you see this um, gap and gain um, theory? Like, uh, I really, really loved it. And it's really in tune with uh, my own philosophy and my own perspective about gratitude. But it's from a very different perspective that's, that's so powerful. Can you um, expand a little bit on this? Absolutely. I will start by saying that I learned it from Dan Sullivan and you can actually, you could probably put it in the show notes, but there's a link to an ebook. So if you just type in, I think it's the gap in the game, Dan Sullivan, uh, there's a free 
uh, ebook that pe- and even additional content that people can learn from Dan. Cause I actually originally learned this idea from Dan and there's a lot, he's got a lot of brilliant resources, but I, I'll explain this idea and about how I look at it. Cause, um, it's, it's so powerful. So essentially the idea is this, um, it's common, especially for goal centered people. And I'm very goal centered, um, to continuously measure yourself against your ideal, whatever that is. And by the way, your ideal is different than your goals. Your ideal is something that's always on the horizon. Uh, it's, it's like whenever you achieve a goal, your ideal keeps moving. It's always on the horizon. You can always just see it up there because your mind always expands as you grow as a person. And so your ideal is something that you're never going to actually achieve, but you can always get, you, actually you will achieve it, but then it will grow. <laughs> it will, mm-hmm. it, so it's always going to be out there. Uh, it's, it's something that you should have. Obviously, we should all have goals. But the idea is, is to measure yourself, not against the ideal, because if you're always measuring where you're currently at versus your ideal, then you're in the gap. You're always seeing kind of the distance between where you are and where you'd like to be. Um, and obviously, there's, there's, good, you know, there's a lot of benefits to knowing where you want to go and then obviously creating a game plan. That's good for motivation. But when it comes to measuring yourself, it's really powerful to not measure yourself against your future, but measuring yourself against your past. Um, this, this, especially your recent past. And if you're, if you're obviously moving forward intentionally as a person, then you're going to be making progress. But the problem for a lot of people is, is that they don't take the time to measure that progress on a regular basis. Uh, and so even at like, just as an example, at the end of the day, you could say, what was the progress I made or what were the gains? Even if it wasn't progress, what were the gains? Um, and if you start looking at things in terms of the gain, and if you actually give yourself time to do it, you start to notice that a lot of good stuff happens that you completely either downplay, ignore, don't notice, don't take account of. And that's not only is that bad for memory, because then you, you don't get the memory <laughs> of all of the good things that happened, but you also don't get the confidence boost of realizing that things are actually moving in the right direction. Like as a quick example, I recently was talking to my mother-in-law because my mother-in-law has been staying with us. And, I, you know, in the front of all my journals, I ask myself, five questions. One is, where am I right now? The second one is, what are the wins from the last 90 days? And that's essentially the gains. What are the gains from the last 90 days? And those can be professional or personal. Like one of them in my last journal was just that I took my kids to like a motocross thing, like just to have a good experience. Um, but like, what are the wins from the last 90 days? And like, what are the wins for the next 90 days? And then like, then I've got like my future self vision, like who do I want to be in three years? And then where do I want to be at the end of this year? But, but measuring the gains, like I, so I told my mother-in-law, because she's going through a lot right now, as many people are. Take out your journal and just write down all the things that have happened in the last 30 days. I mean, sorry, in the last 90 days. I mean, you could do this for 30 days as well, but just write down everything. Like literally think about it. It's almost like, a, it's almost like on Thanksgiving, write down all the things you're grateful for, but it's like literally just in the last 90 days, what have been all the things that have happened? And she started making the list and she's like, holy cow, so much stuff has happened in the last 90 days that I didn't even realize. And that's something that I think you just get more and more used to is noticing that stuff is happening and it really boosts your confidence. Definitely, definitely. And it's, it's something that we, we also talk about uh, here on the Gratitude Podcast. The fact that when we get to take the time to look at these wins and at these things that we were able to do, the, the progress, uh, I have uh, a little bit of a different angle on this, if you may. Uh, I'm also thinking like a few years before, like for instance, let's say five years ago, if we would look 
look at where we are today compared to where we were five years ago, in most cases, where we are today was just a dream, was something it's that so we... It's so true. It's so yeah, true. Something that we could just... We could maybe didn't even hope to to experience. And um, I think this, this builds confidence. This builds um, a beautiful, positive momentum that, that helps us realize that we grew so much, even if we're not there yet, even if we're not at that highest level that we, we would love to be. We have made such great progress and our life is so much more amazing than it was five years ago or even one year ago. And I think that's, that's very powerful and it's, it's a different, a little bit of a different perspective, but it's, it's the same idea that, that you just shared. Oh no, it's, it's actually incredibly relevant. It's such a, it's such an essential idea. I mean, there's, so now this kind of, and and of course it bleeds right in, but you know, when it comes to the research on personality, um, there's been a lot of great new research on personality change over time, but one of the, so there's a Harvard and you'll like, maybe you've even heard of him just because of what you study, but have you ever heard of Daniel Gilbert? Yep. Yep. So Daniel Gilbert, you know, he wrote the book Stumbling Upon Happiness, but he's, he's a brilliant psychologist at Harvard and he studies personality change over time. And one of the things that he asks people is, do you believe you're the same person you were 10 years ago? And kind of going off of what you just said, you know, realizing that things have changed so much in the last five, five years, even five years, you know, think about yourself. Like, do you feel like you're the exact same person you were 10 years ago? Yeah, definitely. I'm a totally different person. Yeah, I, you probably are. Like, if you think about as a person, not only is your situation completely different, your views of the world are different, your mindset's different, your goals, your priorities, how you interact with the world, what you value, like all of those things are probably quite different, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, personality in a lot of ways is about what you prefer, like what your preferences are. Like, so obviously the things you preferred to spend your time on are the things you valued probably, some of them may be the same, but if you look at how you spend your day, and, and really what you prioritize, chances are your preferences have changed a little bit. Um, but it's also about what, you're, what you tolerate. Like there's probably certain things five or 10 years ago that you used to be willing to do that you're no longer willing or interested in doing um, just because mm-hmm. either it doesn't resonate with your values anymore or like you're just no longer, it's, a, it's no longer worth your time. Um, but um, what's interesting is that when people, if, if someone was to look at the past, and to recognize big change. One of the problems is, is that they don't actually believe that such change is possible in the future or that it's going to happen. Um, even though you just looked back and said, look at all of that. Like you're not the same person. I mean, you just admitted it. And my guess is, is that many of your listeners would agree that if they thought about who they were 10 years ago and really thought about it, they're actually not quite the same person. Uh, and that's really what the research shows is a smart way of looking at it. It's actually really good to view your former self as a different person than your current self because they had a different context. They had a different situation. Um, they had a different identity in many ways. And so it's fine to not relate with your former self fully. It's also true that your future self is actually going to be a different person and that they're going to have a different context, different mindset, hopefully more maturity, better values, better priorities, better clarity, better situation, better freedom. Like, you know, the, you know, if you go through a lot of growth and learning in the next five to 10 years, just like you said, now 
you're going to be in a state beyond even what you're currently imagining, probably. Um, and so because of that, it's really good for decision-making to not only to think about what your future self would want because they're different than you. What would they do or what should they value? Um, then you can start to adjust your current self and your current goals. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think what you said on, on gratitude is so key. Like, and it's also, you know, that's a powerful reframing tool, by the way, as well. Like it's essential to get to the point where you're completely grateful for your past. Like no matter how traumatic, no matter how painful it is. And there's a lot of really good research on memory and about, and I think gratitude is one of the most powerful tools. Um, and it's, it's a powerful reframing tool um, to even transform traumatic experiences, things that have crippled you in the past. You can finally turn those things into something that can propel you something that you can learn from. Um, so, I mean, I think that gratitude's key to shifting your energy and emotion towards the past and reframing the memories. I love an idea that you, that you also shared in, uh, in the article post traumatic growth instead of post traumatic stress yep. disorder. Oh, huge. I love Go that ahead. idea. And I think it's, it's so powerful. And many of the, um, of the people that have been on, on the gratitude podcast have been speaking about experiences that were very negative, very hard to overcome divorces, uh, um, bankruptcy, um, actually had someone that, um, uh, her father, um, committed suicide and she was very close by and even even those experiences that were very very harsh got to by by them uh seeing them differently and working on 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 them they got to see them differently and they got to uh to grow out of them and i think this is exactly what you what you said in a few words oh yeah no, it's so true. I mean, the goal, if you're living in the gain rather than the gap. So if you think about your past, because I think we're right now we're focusing on mostly the past, is if you're still in the gap about your past, like you're still upset or you're still feeling, you know, victimized by something that happened five or 10 years ago. And I'm not saying that it wasn't painful. Um, the important thing to realize, though, about the past and even about the present. So there's a really good quote from Stephen Covey. He said, we, we see the world not as it is, but as we are, <laughs> you know? And so you don't see the world objectively. You see the world from your own perceptive lens. And so obviously gratitude obviously changes the lens. It's kind of like what Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you see things, the things you see change. That may sound a little funny, but it's actually like, it's actually like true physically, not just emotionally and mentally. So like when it comes to your past, so the quote from Covey is, we don't see the world as it is, but as we are. The same is true of our past. We don't see the past as it is, but as we are. And the, and the challenge with, let's just say, a painful experience is that usually it's coded and framed from your initial reaction. So let, you know, if something bad happens to you, it's normal to have an immediate negative reaction. You know, like Definitely. either you're shocked or you're in pain. But, but what gratitude does and even getting help and support and encouragement is, is it helps you to reframe that initial reaction, you know, where you can say, what are the gains from this? Or like, or like, 
I'm going to be okay or, or, or getting grander understanding of the situation rather than just your initial gut reaction. Uh, it's called emotional regulation. To, and so there's primary emotions and then there's secondary emotions. Primary emotion is your initial reaction. Secondary emotion is what you feel or think about that, those emotions. And, and emotional development means is that you can, you can think about how you want to feel or how you could feel or how you, you know, what would be a more effective way to feel about this without downplaying your initial reaction, just saying, okay, this was how I initially felt. But how, what would be a better way to feel about this? Or how could I look at this differently? And I think gratitude really does that. But what's interesting is that when you get better at this, um, you know, you, you, can, you can literally shift any negative experience from a gap to a gain. Uh, and you can, you can realize that there's a lot of good things that have come out of that. You can come to be grateful, even for the worst things that have happened in your life. Um, and I think that that's actually essential. It's essential to have a positive past in order to actually have a really powerful future. Um, and you can, like, I've had plenty of traumatic experiences, you know, like, and I think everyone kind of does. I think it's almost impossible not to in life because a trauma isn't, you know, I can't compare my traumas to yours because trauma is a perspective. Uh, there's actually a good quote from Peter Levine. He's a, tra- he's a trauma um, researcher. He said, trauma isn't what happens to you. It's what you hold inside in the absence of an empathetic witness. Um, I think often we can even be our own empathetic witness. We can be empathetic towards our former self. We can have gratitude, but also we need other people around us who can help us. Even this podcast is an example to help us look at our former experiences a little differently. Maybe to be grateful for them to look at our former self and, and give them a little empathy or even give empathy to the people who maybe heard us and realize, and maybe understand that their context is different than ours and, and that they were coming from a different place. Like just as an example, my father was a heavy drug addict when I was a, a young kid and I felt very kind of abandoned by him, but I, I, we've since become great friends and he's actually overcome a lot of that. Um, but in better understanding my past, I, ha- I had to ask him questions. I had to ask him, you know, what led you to doing those things and, and, and how did it feel? And what was it like when your kids left you and things like that? And, and in getting grant, you know, better context to the situation, I had a lot more empathy and could be grateful for the things that he's done. And so I, I think that the past can and must change and that really your past is not objective. It's more a reflection of who you currently are. And this is why gratitude is so key. Wow. I, I love this idea. And it's, it's so, uh, so practical. Like it's a really um, useful idea that we can just use right now. And I think that's, that's very, um, that's gold. <laughs> I mean, think about how different your past would be if you explained it, from a gratitude perspective, because your past is a story. It's not exactly. objective. It's, it's something that you, your identity is shaped by the story you tell. Uh, I actually think it's better to tell the story of your goals of where you're going to go and, and be a lot more committed to the future. But I think when it comes to narrating your past, become aware of how you explain yourself. And if you're in the gap or in the gain, and, and if you, and you can shift it, you can shift the memories, obviously, because memories change just every time you even project them. Um, and obviously, if, if there's a traumatic experience and if you're scared to think about it, just by exposing it to yourself and then coding it from a gratitude perspective, thinking, how could I be grateful for this? Or, um, but then telling your past. When, you, when, when people are talking to you, you could tell your hard experiences, but talk, tell them from a gratitude perspective. It changes the whole meaning and the whole context of your story. And then it changes your past. And, and I think it, it changes who you are and how you see yourself and how the future is I think it's good to know that the past is a story 
it's a perspective and that your memories are also flexible and that your past can and should be happy. It should be happy. It should be something that's happening for you, not something that happened to you. This is, this is amazing. And um, I couldn't help but think about um, the Oriental perspective on, on past, present and future. The fact that uh, the present moment is the only one that actually exists and, and um, the past and the future are just figments of our imagination things that we that we think about that we feel were real but this is just the only one moment that is actually real and i think um it's it's something that um makes a lot of sense i don't know what what's your perspective on this but for me it does make a lot of sense yeah i think that the present as well as the past and future are all heavily influencing each other. So like how you feel in the present is completely determined by how you feel about your past. And so if you can reframe your past and feel great about it, because you are always carrying the past with you. And so your present's probably not going to be that good. If you, if you're in the negative about your past and if you're still negatively and emotionally challenged by it, because if you're, if you have unresolved trauma, then it's going to drive your current decision-making. It may lead to negative coping mechanisms, addictions, you know, depression and things like that. And so how you feel about your past incredibly influences your current situation. Like the present doesn't exist without the past and the future. Like we can't just pretend that those things don't exist, even though you're right. The present is all we have, but our present is dramatically influenced by our view of the past and our view of the future. Like there's another Dan Sullivan quote where he actually says, the bigger your future, the better your present, because your vision of the future determines how you go about your present. You know, your vision of your future self, how clear that person is, how excited you are, how in tune and how aligned with you, you are with your desired future self. You know, it's like the goal shapes the process. So your vision really determines how you go about today. I mean, the only reason I'm on this podcast with you aside from the fact that I love this subject is because of who I'm striving to become. Uh, and that's really what the research talks about in psychology on the subject of deliberate practice. Deliberate practice is essentially purposeful learning. Um, it's the way to learn, you know, if you go to the gym, for example, and just do the same exercise routine every single day with no goal, like you're not actually going to get much better. You know, you may, you may maintain and slightly decrease But if you have a very specific goal in mind, a very future clear identity and goal to get there, then your daily process can be transformative. Um, and obviously you can even be grateful for your future self. You can be grateful for your former self. But I think, I think that separating the past, the present, and the future with hard lines is actually the wrong approach because they're actually all blended together. Um, and your view of the past and the, and the future dramatically influence what you do today. Yeah. And I love one concept that you that you shared. Like when when I heard it was like so liberating. Um the fact that we are a different person if we think about the the person that we're going to be in the future, it felt when I was thinking about that idea, it felt like I I just got um I don't know, it it was easier to to see the road to to feel myself being able to to be that person rather than um just thinking about certain goals in the future i, I think it's a really interesting concept and a really powerful one
Thank you. I couldn't agree more. I mean, what it shows me is that people can change, you know, and I think gratitude is one of the most transformative things ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, knowing that your former self is not the same person as your current self and knowing that your future self is different than your current self, knowing that you like literally they're two different people. It just shows you that you're going to change and that you can change. Um, and change is a beautiful thing. Um, and that you can become someone intentionally. You can, you can become who you choose to be uh, and that you can then start living consciously rather than just purely subconsciously. You can actually become someone new. So, you know, you can become someone super happy or you can have the circumstances you want. You know, I mean, that's, I think that's why gratitude and abundance are so connected. But um, this is actually one of the key reasons why overly assuming a label can be very destructive. You know, this is actually one of the reasons why personality tests, and, and by the way, personality tests like Myers-Briggs and Egram, those tests, although they may be playful and interesting to some people, and they actually give people a sense of identity, um, because if you haven't framed out your future self, and if you haven't done a lot of the work on your past narrative and your future narrative, then, then getting a score on a personality test can give you a sense of identity. Oh, I'm an INFJ or whatever it is. And you can then use that identity as the story to explain yourself to other people, which can be really helpful. The problem is, is that the research is really clear. Um, well, first off, those types of tests are not um, scientific. <laughs> um, like that surprised me actually when I went through my PhD in organizational psychology and learned about psychometrics, which is test development, that you know, every one of my professors essentially told me those tests are not, not to be taken seriously. Um, cool. Because... <laughs> because they're not valid and they're not consistent, you know, as an example, five years ago, if you take, if you took the Myers and Briggs and if you took it today, you'd get different scores. I mean, you already told me you're a different person. Um, Definitely. And so what, what the research shows is that the, the bigger the distance between two times you take these tests, the less, you know, the less correlated they'll be. But other research shows that if you take these tests in different environments or under different conditions or, for different reasons, you're going to get different scores. Like the scores are based on so many factors, including your emotions and the situation, you know, like even one test, one, one experiment tested, you know, two groups of people. One, one took the same test two times with the same test administrator in a short period of time. And they got similar scores, but another group took the same test under the same time, you know, time time gap. Um, but with two different test administrators and their tests were totally non-correlated. Um, (laughs) It's a, but, but the real problem with these tests, number one, they ignore context. You know, you get a test score and you assume that that's who you always are. But in one context, you're going to be different than you are in a different context. You're not always one way. Like the context really matters. And these tests ignore that. They assume that who you are is the same in every situation. They also give you a label which creates tunnel vision. Like labels create, they create this view. It's called selective attention. But basically, you, again, you see the world as you are, you see the world often through your label or through your identity. And uh, you'd really like this person's research if you haven't studied it, but her name's Ellen Langer at Harvard. Writing it right now. (laughs) Yeah. She wrote a book called Mindfulness and one called Counterclockwise. She's brilliant. But one of the things that she studied was labels and about how those lead people to being mindless, you know? And so basically if someone believes they're depressed, they're actually mindless to all of the times throughout a certain day when they're actually not depressed. There's many times throughout the day when they actually feel great uh, and not negative or sad. But because you've assumed a label, you become incredibly mindless to the times in which the label is not true. 
Um, you become mindless to context. Also, your label then shapes your whole view of the past. And you begin to think you only code and remember, you know, you, you just mem- remember things mostly from a negative perspective. Um, and so overly adopting a label really shatters imagination. It really stops you from pursuing a future self beyond the label. And what you end up doing is, is you end up pursuing goals to confirm your label. Um, you pursue goals to confirm who you think you are rather than pursuing goals based on who you want to become. Uh, it's a very reactive approach to life. Um, and so it's, it's a very limiting and non-creative way to live your life. And it's very much a passive way where rather than trying to create yourself intentionally, you're trying to discover yourself um, and trying to figure out who you are and hoping that a test can give you that. And so it's, it's, it's a negative approach to life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to give you some examples from, from my own life. And one of them, I think you'll find quite interesting. I can't wait to um, hear this. <laughs> I actually have two different personalities. Like, um, I don't know if you know this, but I'm Romanian. And um, when I'm speaking in Romanian, and when I interact with people in Romanian, I have a certain personality. When I speak in English, because I've had many positive experiences with speaking in, speaking in English, I have a different personality. Personality, Even though I'm usually an introvert uh, in English and wherever, whenever I go um, in the world traveling, I'm more of an extrovert. I, I interact with people more. I talk more with people. And just this... I think it's it's very interesting and good. It's context, that, you know what I mean? And different, yeah. You have a different identity when you're speaking in English. Exactly, exactly. You have a different persona. Exactly. And that's that's very interesting. And I'm I'm sure that these tests don't don't take this into consideration. And also another example is um from my mom. She she right now she's very sociable, like she can um go on a train ride or a bus ride and just start a conversation with anyone but for me when she when she said that she was shy when when she was a girl was was fascinating i was thinking how could you be shy you're you're always talking to people you're always you're like the most extroverted person that i know and again it she was in a certain way when she was younger and she's in a certain way right now and if she would have identified with being an introvert, prob- probably she wouldn't have been able to to let herself be an extrovert and speak more with people and socialize more. Yeah. I mean, identity is such a powerful concept. Identity is really the key. Uh, I think that's why you really want to think and clarify your desired future self. And even, you know, I, I think clarifying who you intend to be uh, is the starting point for everything else. You know, then you can determine goals to help you become that person. Then you can determine environments and circumstances and even narratives. How do you want to explain yourself to others? I mean, really starting with your identity is crucial because your identity is shaped by um, your goals. And, 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 um, and so I love, I love this story of your mom. And I, and I also think it's, so there's a concept actually, and you'll like this one as well. It's called psychological flexibility. Um, and, And in order to be psychologically flexible, Um, you first off have to recognize you have to hold loosely the emotions you experience in the moment and the, even the thoughts you have 
as you're moving towards goals or striving to live out values, because obviously you're going to have emotional reactions. You know, you got to hold these things loosely. You also have to hold your current views and your current identity to some degree loosely because you have to recognize again that your, your current self is not the finished product. Um, you're not fully formed. Um, Daniel Gilbert actually said that human beings are works in progress that mistakenly think they're finished. And so, (laughs) and so if you know that your future self is different than your current self, and hopefully they have much better views, you know, they do, they do have a different context and because they'll have a different context, they'll have different views. Think about this as an example. And this is kind of a funny one. Sorry, not funny. It's not funny, but it's just interesting. Uh, in a recent email that I sent, I, I used the word viral. Uh, I, I was talking about an article and about how it was going to go viral or something like that. And, you know, I had a, not a ton, but a few people email me and say, Hey, given the situation, you know, you should probably use a different word. And I was totally fine with that. You know, if, you know, we're talking about the coronavirus right now, but like if I had used that word three weeks ago, nothing would have been, there would be no reaction. So it's not the content, it's the context. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and with personality tests, the whole focus is on content. It's like, oh, you're an INFJ. There's no focus on context. Also with the past, if you're a victim to the past, you're focusing on the content. And you're, you're thinking that it has to be the way you thought it was, but gratitude can change the context. So can my, mindfulness, so can just gaining new information and choosing a new view. Um, and so I, I think that with identity, it's key to not overly categorize yourself or overly, overly think that your current view is first off fully right. Cause in the future it's going to be different, but also allowing yourself to, to be different than you used to be. I mean, what's, what's so powerful is when you, when you really clarify your future self and then you begin making that your narrative, you begin to have the courage to tell people that that's who you're going to be and what you're going to do. And by the way, the number one deathbed regret, and there's a lot of research on this is that people said that their number one regret in life is that they didn't have the courage to be who they wanted to be, but instead they, they, they ultimately decided to be who they thought those around them expected them to be. Um, And so if you think about what would happen, if you really clarified and admitted fully who you genuinely want to become in circumstance and in characteristics and even what you're doing and and who you're with, just all of those things. And it was just what you genuinely want. And then you began to tell everyone that that's what you're going to do. And that's who you're going to be. You just began just literally shamelessly saying that this is, this is who you're going to be. This is what you're going to do. And you start acting that way because the story in a lot of ways would lead you to striving to be more consistent to that story. Um, and obviously even just experiencing gratitude along the way through the ups and the downs. Um, and, and even gratitude for people who disagree or gratitude for people who don't support just literally just turning everything from a gratitude perspective, gratitude that you're going to succeed, gratitude when you fail, gratitude, et cetera. Like just literally just, but, but it's, it's so powerful um, to just choose. And so I, I love that story of your, gram, of your, of your mother. Uh, and really what the research shows is that even if you're non-intentional, like what I'm asking you to do with this story with framing a future self and narrating that story intentionally is I'm asking you to be intentional, which would actually lead to far more aggressive change. Um, and obviously gratitude accelerates that process as well. But people are going to change quite a bit over time, even if they're non-intentional, just because life and the world change and, and people change mm-hmm. over time. But if you become intentional, and obviously if you apply daily gratitude towards the past and the future, 
and act courageously, the change becomes so accelerated. Your circumstances can change so dramatically. I mean, I can attest to this. I mean, I've watched my own life change so much, so fast. Um, and, I, and I will say that gratitude is enormous aspect of that. And so I, it's probably one of my absolute favorite subjects. It's one of the most transformative concepts. Wow. This, this has been amazing and so, uh, so practical, so useful. And um, I urge all of our listeners to, to think about to be, to, to be, think about what you just said, to be intentional and to choose who they want to be. And I think these, these people are the ones that inspire us and that, that we look up to and we, uh, we love somehow. These, they are these people that choose who they want to be and we, we resonate with that. We see that. And there's, there's a certain power to this that we, that we love. Unfortunately, we're nearing the end of our time together. Um, but I also wanted to ask you, where can our audience get your book? When will it be out? And um, usually I think if they just Google you, they will find <laughs> many articles and your website and everything, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So benjaminhardy.com is a place to find kind of anything, but you can buy personality isn't permanent anywhere. Uh, you can buy it on Audible. You can get the book basically anywhere. And uh, there are free, you know, giveaways, things like that. Online courses, both about the book, its concepts, and also about other subjects, such as whether it be blogging, growing an online audience. Like there's, there's a lot of free giveaways for, for buying the book. But the book itself is by far the most important thing. I mean, it's, it, is a tr it, is, it will surprise you at what, what it highlights and, and, and the energy it gives you and you will love it. So definitely encourage you to get the book personalities and permanent. And uh, thank you for letting me be on your show. It was super enjoyable. It was the same here. And I'm really happy that you took that time to do this for us. Thank you so much. Have a great day. When you are grateful, fear disappears and abundance appears. Tony Robbins. Especially in these moments in time, we might experience fear. And that fear takes our attention away from gratitude, from solutions, from opportunities that we might have. And when we are grateful, we can see them and we can get in tune with abundance much, much easier. And you will see how in this course. Nothing invites abundance more effectively than gratitude, unknown. So I know some of you have experience with this. I have a lot of experience with this as well. There has never been a time in my life when I experienced more abundance than when I was very grateful consistently. And we will see how we can apply these specific things that I have applied as well to get more into a state of abundance with gratitude, through gratitude. And you will see how. Gratitude is the open door to abundance, the Buddha. 
So regardless of how we see gratitude, whether we see it as um, monetary abundance or we see it in different ways that, for instance, friendship or um, just other things that make us feel abundant, gratitude is an open door for that. And we will definitely work on, on these things so that we will be able to experience more abundance regardless of how we see it abundance is not something we acquire it is something we tune into Wayne Dyer so sure abundance many times means um, having more money or more objects or great experiences but when we feel abundant when we are in a state of abundance the most amazing thing is that we attract different things like we don't have to fight for them we just tune into abundance and we enjoy that feeling and more things come to us and I've experienced this a lot in my life and I am very grateful for that acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance Eckhart Tolle so once we see the great things that we enjoy in our life we feel more abundant automatically we see that we are already abundant and I have some amazing exercises in the course for that and you will see how how great it can feel without actually having things to change on the outside like without more money or more things you can already feel amazingly abundant my invitation is for you to enroll now at no risk on your side with 30 days money back guaranteed and if you don't enjoy it you just get your money back because once you enroll you will start with your first week and you will have the opportunity to go from feeling uncertain, seeing lack and not enough, to feeling abundant and joyful when you pay for things and unlimited. So enroll now and in less than one month, if you apply what you learn in this course, you will definitely get your investment back and even more because you will be in a state of abundance and what you will be investing you will be receiving maybe even tenfold so thank you so much for your time and let's get started with week one